Hello and welcome to Get It Started, Get It Done, the Banyan security podcast covering the security industry and beyond. In this episode, our host and Banyan's chief security officer, Den Jones, speaks with PK, global head of security and trust at Navon. We hope you enjoy this discussion between Adobe alums about the state of security as an industry, as a career, and more. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Get It Started, Get It Done. I am your host, Dan Jones. This is Banyan's, uh, I guess, lame attempt at podcasting. You know, if we if we don't sell software, then I guess we got to um, we got to fall back on something, right? So maybe this is it. Anyway, every episode I've got an awesome guest, and this week is no different. We've got PK from a company that used to be called Trip Actions, but PK is going to tell us what it's now called and introduce himself. PK, over to you, big guy. Hey Dan, good to see you. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Um, hey folks, this is uh, Prabhat. I go by PK. Uh, I'm the head of security and trust at Nawan. Um, uh, the company that was Den was mentioning was called Trip Actions earlier. We rebranded to Navan uh, around like a few weeks back. So I run a full spectrum, you know, security team here with my, you know, kind of primary objectives being that uh, I make sure that we meet our security and privacy obligations to our, you know, customers, investors, stakeholders, and and regulators. So yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for having me, Den. Awesome. And and your employees, I'm guessing as well, because, you know, when I describe security programs, I'm like, you know, we've got employee data to protect, we've got customer data to protect, yeah. and and we've also got intellectual property to protect, right? So, yeah, 100%. All, all I, I, yeah. I mean, stakeholders, so uh, everybody else is part of that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's in that big bucket. We're like, hey, you're all stakeholders, just hey, pay attention. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pay yeah. attention and do your security training one more time, if you don't mind. Hey, yeah. so you, right, so you and I, we've met before. Um, we are both ex Adobe, so the yeah. Adobe alumni, um, and you were in the the RGRC, our audit kind of team. So why didn't you explain that function and what was it you were doing there, and how did we meet, and what was the interaction between our teams? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, this uh, I'm feeling very nostalgic here. You're taking me ten years, uh, ten years to backward <laughs> then, right? So yeah, I think I I spent a good uh, nine plus years of my career at uh, Adobe uh, when you know we uh, it was a very unique opportunity to be part of that business transformation at Adobe when Adobe was moving from. Uh, from a desktop, you know, services product kind of go-to-market offering to a cloud services model, so that kind of created a very unique opportunity from a security perspective. I think because the way we had to think about security had to change, right? There are a lot of these, you know, kind of global regulations, both from a commercial and a regulatory perspective, that applied uh, in order to do business. So uh, that kind of created a, a need. Uh, I think. Uh, Back when I remember around 2012, 13-ish to, you know, actually formulate a formal function around, you know, uh, governance, risk and compliance. So I was kind of well positioned to be there um, uh, early days of cloud security. So uh, there uh, we were actually uh, our primary mission at that point was to ensure that we uh, we, you know, enable market access for, you know, Adobe products and by building security controls. Uh, in in a uniform manner across the cloud offerings uh, to you know get all of these you know security compliance certifications like SOC 2 ISO PCI HIPAA FedRAMP and all of that stuff. So that was uh, 
uh, that's how things started. And then one thing led to another after that function kind of matured. Uh, I had this unique opportunity to run, uh, uh, you know, kind of a very strategic function for uh, Adobe's uh, Seesaw at that point, uh, which gave me an opportunity to work closely with UDEN and the product security organization and and the rest of the leadership there in uh, Brad Arkin's staff. So, uh, yeah, pretty much feel like, you know, that was a great, great uh, school where uh, I really saw how security is done right at that scale. And with that knowledge, right, it just feels like uh, I can kind of go do this in in, in most uh, or any any business. So yeah, that's the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and we um, yeah, it was fun. It's funny, right? Because enterprise security, the organization that I ran, we were delivering a lot of security for the workforce and engineering and functions like that. Yeah. Um, and and obviously everything that we're doing is under a lot of scrutiny. It's certainly as part of compliance. Yeah. So uh, even when we deployed our zero trust program, it's like, well, you know, what about this zero, zero trust? We called it Zen there, right? So what about Zen would would even benefit from a compliance perspective, not just benefit employees, but benefit compliance? And now roll roll on a few years later, we are now plying our trades at two different companies. Uh, you're at Navan and I'm at uh, um, I'm at Banyan. So, yeah. with with that, um, one of the things for me, I get I get to now engage with a lot of executives in your position, where it's like, hey, what, what what do you think a good security program is, or what's your struggles? What keeps you up at night? So, I got I got a few of these little gem questions that I think most people commonly ask. So, I'm going to ask a couple of these ones, then we'll then we'll diverge a little bit. So. Yeah. Security program, obviously, we join companies and we inherit an existing program of some nature, Yeah. regardless whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. So yeah. in your, your, your role, what is it you've been trying to do that you think is bringing this, you know, a world-class program to Nirvana? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the way I think about this then, uh, and this goes back to, you know, kind of the way we did this in Adobe and the way, uh, you know, kind of uh, the business expansion and all that, right? Whatever you're doing from a security perspective, tech perspective, it needs to be aligned with the business because if there is no revenue, what are you building security for? It doesn't really matter, right? So uh, your number one objective, I feel, is to align with the business. What that means is you got to really understand what your customers are expecting. Uh, the next piece is what your investors are expecting based on who they are. Like in our case, it's mostly VC-funded, hyper-growth startup. Uh, and in public companies, it's different. And then lastly, your your other stakeholders, right? like employees and regulators and all of that. Now, when you think about it from that mindset, uh, you will probably think of three main things that you need to do in each of those buckets. And that's how I drive, uh, you know, kind of uh, security overall, right? Like just to give some examples, customers uh, are expecting us to build a secure, secure product, right? And enable customer trust. So product security becomes extremely important to make sure that, especially in this, you know, uh, you know, microservices-based distributed architecture, how you're deploying code into, you know, through a CICD pipeline and all of that, that becomes very critical. Your application security piece becomes very critical, so you double down on that. And then, of course, if you look at all the recent uh, uh, breaches, right, it's mostly happening through 
you know, like the common trend is uh, uh, an MFA bypass, business email compromise. So, of course, uh, your investors are expecting you to protect the company. So you got to think about, okay, how do you protect against that? That's where yeah. your zero trust piece comes into play. <laughs> yeah. And then lastly, uh, the regulators, right? All the compliance certifications uh, and all that side of the house. So it all revolves around these stakeholders. And that's how I derive various functions. Uh, I primarily have three buckets. That's how I categorize it. One is GRC and trust, which is all the field enablement and compliance, product platform security, which is uh, uh, which is the function that closely works with the engineering side of the house, the CTO's organization, building product security, platform security, cloud security. And lastly, enterprise security detection and response function, which is working with the IT organization with all the endpoint, you know, email, zero trust, all that stuff. And then uh, the detection and the response pieces as well and threat hunting. So that's that's how I, you know, kind of logically segregated in my mind. Yeah. And awesome. Yeah. And I was just thinking, you know, it's like, so... Navan's a really disruptive but hyper-growth company, right? So you're disruptive in the market. You're growing really fast. And, you know, you and I know this from our Adobe days, right? Is yep. you're, one day you're not really a target because you're not in anybody's mind. Yep. And the next day you're like, you feel like you're everybody's target. Yep. So as, as, you, as you kind of go through that, how do you think, or, or do you think that changes your 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 approach or your risk profile as, as you're trying to make sure you keep the company safe? No, absolutely. I think, uh, um, I mean, the way at which this company has grown during, I've, I've been here for a couple of years, so the business... Uh, uh, you know, the it's the company's grown from like uh, around 700 employees to uh, yeah, 3,000 employees right now. The valuation was around 3.4 billion dollars or something like that when I joined. Now it's nine plus billion dollars. We have 10,000 plus customers at this scale. Mm-hmm. Every time I do a risk assessment, that's outdated in a few days, right? Because the business priorities are constantly changing. We are innovating, we're disrupting, bringing in new functionality features into the product. So it's it's extremely critical to. Uh, keep a close pulse on the business side of things, uh, what the business strategy is and what the product strategy is, and then constantly do a continuous risk assessment. It's almost like it needs to be running on the back of uh, my mind and my leader's mind for their respective areas all the time, right? Uh, I I call it as like an agile uh, risk assessment, right? Uh, (laughs) You can't really use a framework for that. It's a very pragmatic agile risk assessment that you need to do and pivot your strategy based on where the business wants to go to protect the company, yeah. Yeah, no, that that's awesome, and, um, and 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 okay. So one thing, it's been really hard to nail you down because you're a very busy character. So you've been traveling a lot. I think was YL was that the last trip you're on? And I don't know if everybody knows really what that what that is. So can you explain a little bit about what that that event is? Yeah, so I was um, I was actually in Tel Aviv. So we have a lot of business operations in Tel Aviv. Navan has a. Uh, has uh, has a site in Tel Aviv where we do a lot of R&D work. So I'm actually trying to build some presence there as well, to, especially on the product security side of the house. So I was there uh, primarily for that, but I did get invited. There was a cyber tech conference that was going on when I was there. So I just got invited to do this panel uh, with the Wild Ventures and a few other, uh, you know, venture capitalists, security VCs like Sin Ventures, Night Dragon, and and uh, the beauty of it was there was Brad Arkin there, who was uh, who <laughs> that we worked with in the past in Adobe. So it was it was it was it was a fun time. It was a great panel uh, between like VCs and 
Brad there and a bunch of, you know, kind of startup CEOs in the audience asking questions. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And Tel Aviv is just an amazing place. Then the general yeah. mindset and especially for like on the security side of the house, the problem solver, the entrepreneur mindset, any problem you can think of, there's a company there, a lot of them, multiple solutions. In some cases, they're trying to compete with each other. The spirit there is just, just incredible. Yeah. 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 They've got a, they've got a huge, I mean, from a security perspective and the startup scene and everything like that. And, you know, I've, I've worked, especially more in my Adobe days with a lot of, a lot of the teams and, you know, team eight is a, a a group that come to mind they're based out there right and it's like they're doing some fantastic work so yeah it's great it's great to see that and i've never been there i was meant to have gone just before covid and then that fell through so you know hopefully hopefully next year or so i'll i'll make it out yeah now you're you're you've gone through i mean you you and i have gone through this kind of aspiring career journey and we were blessed at adobe to be given lots of lots of opportunities for growth and learning and stuff and and career movement, so so that was awesome. Um, but if you're going to give one piece of advice to people if they're trying to go through a career path similar to ours, where they end up landing like a CISO level job, yeah, what would that one bit of advice be? Yeah, I think uh, I think CISO role these days, uh, then, and you will probably agree to this, is becoming more of a business role than a tech role. I mean, we all come from a deep technical background. I come from an engineering background. You come from a deep tech background as well, right? Which really helps us. But end of the day, when uh, this, when you're when you're running security in in companies, it's like mostly a business role, right? You've got to run your organization like how you're yeah. running your business, right? In terms of what the risk profile is, what kind of security posture you're building, the relationships with all the key executives of the company, relationships with the board, CEO, and all of that. So I think uh, what what really helped me, to be honest, is that when I was actually, you know, kind of climbing the ladder in Adobe and gaining all that experience, I watched a lot of these executives very, very closely, like how they behave, how they conduct, how they actually uh, you know kind of navigate through some of these challenges even though uh, I in some cases I may not uh, been having you know direct impact on some of those decisions but I would observe right and mm-hmm. all those observations now I feel are reaping really 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 high benefits because um, you know I watched a lot of these executives there doing things the right way that worked because the business I mean the business outcome was amazing right I think the company grew from what 30 billion dollars to 300 billion dollars during our tenure the stock 20x 10 and all of that yeah. the whole transformation so uh, that's that's what I would advise I think uh, identify some people that are successful uh, in the role that you aspire to be and closely mm-hmm. observe them, right? Even though, I mean, I know these folks are probably very busy and you probably won't get a lot of time. If you get time and mentorship, that's amazing. Nothing like that. Always approach. Don't be shy. I've always approached. Sometimes mm-hmm. I've been rejected, but every time I've been accepted, it's been a tremendous, tremendous exposure for me. So, yeah, that's what I would say. I think that's that's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's funny because I've told people over the years, like when you you think of your career path, if you see people in the path that you want to be on, yeah. then I, I was always like, don't look at the person who's the next job that you want. Look at the person above that person. Yeah. Yeah. If that's the journey you're on, yeah. you're, you've got to realize that you should already be acting and behaving and modeling what that person above you is like. Yeah. And you should start to look at the one above that. And, and start to model and learn and, and like you say observe and yeah one one great great thing you mentioned there was you know 
if you don't ask for something, you're not going to get something. Yeah. So you've got to make your intentions clear. You've got to be bold and have those conversations and say, yeah. hey, what do you want? And the future's like, well, I want your job. It's yeah. like, you know, don't be scared to say that, you know. Yeah. Um, and if you're looking for mentorship, I think a lot of executives, um, first of all, they're very busy, right? So we're all busy. But the reality is, is if someone reaches out to you and says, hey, I'd love some coaching from you, I've very rarely been turned down. Yeah. Most, most people, they might not all give me like hours and hours, but they, they might give me five minutes every couple of weeks, every now and again, yeah. grab coffee, grab lunch, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Now, um, as long as you know exactly what you're looking for, I think that part they appreciate because time is valuable. But as long as you know exactly what you're looking for, even those executives appreciate that time, right? Because sometimes it just becomes, it's a two-way thing sometimes, right? Even <laughs> it's not just a one-way thing. I think it's a two-way thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and the one the one thing I told people as well, if you're ever going to set up a skip level one-on-one -on -one with my boss, make sure you're going in knowing exactly what you want to discuss. Go in yeah. prepared. Don't yeah. go in just to a skip level one-on-one -on -one to show your face and ask how they're doing. Yeah. When there's no they're they're gonna be really pissed at you pretty quickly if 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 you're going in there with no real agenda. So yeah. make sure, yeah, make sure you got that. Yeah. Now um where where do you go to keep up with security topics and 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 educate yourself yeah so then like fortunately living here in the valley um it's uh, been extremely fortunate to have uh, an amazing community of uh, you know kind of security leaders here like you and other folks right so once you kind of uh, get to this role you get invited to a lot of slack channels where uh, there's a lot of communication that happens uh, on this and some of those slack channels are extremely valuable where all the, the the key information that you need to know always gets exchanged and shared so that's where i feel like you know i get most of my insights from these days i don't go looking for it right it's, it usually pops up in some of these three or four slack channels that i'm uh, that i watch carefully and then the other one is linkedin feeds i'm pretty active on linkedin i mean uh, whatever that happens uh, is usually out there on linkedin right with that is the yeah. level. so these are two of my sources and lastly the community right the security leadership community in the, here in the valley is awesome uh, people organize a lot of, you know, kind of get togethers for us to hang out, sometimes went, sometimes talk about problems, talk about solutions, talk about life, right? So yeah, yeah. This, this is how, uh, this is how I, you know, uh, get my knowledge. Yeah. These days. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to regurgitate what I used to do in Adobe, which was my monthly happy hours where you just try and get random people to yeah. come along and hang out and build on it. I mean, it's really all about networking, right? Yeah, because you kind of mentioned that, you know, LinkedIn, I think it's really important for people aspiring in their career to recognize that if you want to be an executive anywhere, yeah. no, nobody wants an executive that ha that has no reputation, no brand, not validated, like, especially if it's a C-level position, like they, they want to they want to grab people that have got some form of reputation and influence, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You now. When you're not working, let's talk about that. You and I, you and I have one thing in common, which is a passion for music and yep. especially, especially the electronic sort. So yep. Yep. when yep. you're not when you're not working, what do you what do you do to relax and re recover and energize yourself? Yeah, I think that is uh, definitely one avenue. Uh, uh, very much into electronic music these days. It's been techno. 
but yeah, I mean, all kinds of stuff like house, modern house, uh, um, and uh, electronic, right? Uh, that uh, that is. Um, uh, uh, you know, melodic house, all that kind of stuff. So I listen to a lot of that. My wife gives me a hard time about this sometimes. I'm sometimes <laughs> eating dinner and just listening to a set, right? Rather than watching a movie or something. She's like, what's wrong with you? But that's, that's it relaxes me. That's what I like. But other than that, you know, I also do uh, yoga. Uh, I'm, I'm into yoga and some mindfulness work. So yoga and meditation, uh, try and make sure I get get a bit of that three or four times a week and do some walking and running whenever I can, right? So this is how... Uh, this this is what I do. Yeah, yeah. No, that's. I mean, it's it's funny, right? Because I've I've been a preacher of work life balance yeah. my whole career, and and not to say that I've always been the best student at it, right? That term, the pot calling the kettle black, right? It's like yeah. Yeah. I've I've always preached and I've also always tried within my organization to instill instill that in the culture. Um, but I'm probably the world's worst when it comes to. <laughs> I remember a coach once said to me, I need to meditate. She was, yeah, Victoria, she was, she was a brilliant coach for me. And she's like, oh, you need to meditate like, you know, every day, try and find like five minutes. Yeah. And so, I, it's the life yeah. of me, 20 years later, I'm still not bloody doing it, but I know I should do it. Yeah. Um, like I know I should do a bunch of stuff, but. <laughs> so then I think the way I think about it is uh, you may not agree with this, but there's no work-life balance in this role. It's all work, right? There's yeah. not a lot of work. You got to be on, right? You got to be on. At, at, at any moment, you might need to be on, right? So uh, for me, that 10 minutes of meditation or that 30 minutes of yoga is like a mini mini vacation. That's how I, I treat it. So It is, yeah. I mean, I'm so I'm, I'm blessed, right? Because I'm, I mean, the, the roles I've done in Adobe, you know, I, I ran a lot of critical infrastructure over the years. You know, my teams, I mean, at one point, you know, I was running all the compute. I was running lab services. I was doing all the directory and DNS and all the, all the, all, 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 all the, all, all the critical components. And in those days, I mean, I, can, I couldn't go a day without being in some incident, not a security incident, but an availability of service incident. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. In, and I'd be doing a barbecue at the weekend with my friends over and I'd still be on a call. I know. Yes. Like trying to cook for the barbecue and shit. Yeah. So yeah, it's, but, but now, now, you know, cause I've done two huge mega companies yeah, and now I work for a small series B startup where there are security and IT organizations internally for a small company is really, me twiddling thumbs yeah i do a lot of evangelism and stuff like this so my my life right now my work-life balance is as good as it's ever been and probably gonna get because <laughs> nice. as, as banyan takes off then you know i'm going to be kind of catching back up with you on the whole pulling my hair out and yeah. the world's on fire all the time congratulations and, you know, I think that's a huge achievement man like <laughs> congratulations on that <laughs> well, well it's quite funny it's quite funny because i was talking with well, i was talking with one of my buddies richard bird who I've, I've met through idsa and other things and we were just talking about this life as well do you want to go back to being a pure CISO, cso hard role always dealing with the risk yeah. or or is this advisory kind of evangelist role a better role and i'm like i never thought of that i just thought of this as being a CISO role but i never really i mean i know a, a, about 60 70 percent of my, my life is actually more 
the fun stuff really nice but that will change over time i'm guessing you know but anyway yeah so so what for do you, me what do you do for fun these days it's still into, well, yeah music yeah. Fun, yeah i mean i just finished a song last week working on another one this week i mean i i don't have an, as much studio i've got an amazing studio behind me right but i don't have as much studio time as i'd like um i was going to say on the whole music thing um some of my friends got me into a youtube channel called circle which is c-e-r-c-l-e yeah, yeah. and it's brilliant it's, it's like on location yeah i know, I know, I know it's awesome I, yeah. All yeah, the artists have, yeah it's amazing yeah. I never, I never heard of it before. I'm like, oh yeah. shit! So yeah. I've been, I've been watching a lot of that stuff now. I still love to cook. I mean, I think, I think, like you say, right? There's a physical aspect to surviving this career, yep. where you need to maybe go for a walk. You need to get yeah. some fresh air, do a trail, meditate, yoga, go to the gym. Well, I mean, whatever your jam is, yeah. but it can't, can't be on a device in front of a computer or your phone and stuff, and then social be with friends yep. and and for me like even doing the happy hours there's a business element to it course, but there's yeah. also a friendship and yep. building friends and and just being social because i'm a sociable guy right yeah so yep. i love i love that shit you know mm-hmm. now as, as we're kind of getting close on time I'm, mind, I'm mindful of time and i appreciate you joining when you're under the weather because for people that don't know PK normally, he doesn't sound like he's swallowing, you know, a small bit of sandpaper. <laughs> no, I'm um, actually feeling good, <laughs> and, and maybe it's, uh, you know, I'm talking to you, right? It just uh, it's feeling great, definitely. <laughs> some fun, some fun, happy, fun conversation, you know? know, or maybe, or maybe you've just got gin inside that cup of yours. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Um, yeah. So, so I think when when you're not working and and you're at dinner parties and people ask what you do for a living, well, how do you explain your job to people who are not technical? They're not yeah. in our world. Yeah, I think the analogy I give is I uh, I mean I take it back to like physical security, right? If you look at security guards, right, uh, their job is to kind of protect a facility, but now. Uh, people who really want to get into something for whatever reason they want to get into uh, don't really, uh, you know, uh, want to spend the time and effort to get in through the front door, right? Because everything is tech, right? Everything is yeah. in the field, everything is tech. So from that perspective, uh, I give that analogy on the tech side, right? I do what these people do on the physical security side of the house for the tech side of the house, right? I try to protect critical infrastructure, data, privacy, all that stuff. That's that's how, that's the analogy, easiest analogy, which yeah, can relate to, you know, non-tech audience. <laughs> that's yeah. how I think of it, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. See, me being in California, I learned years ago in Scotland that many you said you've done IT or computers, everybody was like, okay, I've got a problem. Can you come fix blah, blah, blah? <laughs> and I'm like, back in those days, I'm like, no, I don't know how to play Doom or do blah. <laughs> Yeah. I can't get, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not the, the laptop guy. So when I moved here, because San Jose, I don't know if you know this about San Jose. I think you do because you live here too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of igloos in San Jose. <laughs> so, so I would tell people I'm an igloo repairman. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, <laughs> yeah. Because I'm funny. like, I don't, I don't want anybody to really like, and also everybody in the Valley, most people in the Valley are tech nerds anyway, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, what do you do? I work at Adobe. What do you do there? I'm an igloo repairman. <laughs> and then instantly people will be like, oh, God, this guy's full of shit. 
so yeah, yeah I used to so say taking that. Taking you back to those uh, hallway conversations, then I know we were like office neighbors, and I would. Yeah, I know, right? I know I would want to went and you know talk <laughs> shop. I would come and you speak, you know, these kind of things, and I'd be like energized back to work, you know, <laughs> back to yeah. the. And and, and the, the funny thing from my Adobe days was, you know, I had the beer fridge, right? So I used to have a beer fridge on wheels, yeah. and and we'd wheel around with beer and stuff. And I just remember one day. One, I think it was like the network team had borrowed it. They were doing some event and, and they were wheeling it back up and they were putting it in the elevator and the whole thing fell over and the, the door fell open and the beer fell out in the elevator and the bottle smashed. And I, I just remember there was a bit of, there was a bit of shit in trouble for that, I guess, after that event. <laughs> <laughs> no more wheeling the beer fridge around. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, look, hey, thank you for your time. Really appreciate catching up uh having you on the podcast. I know I want to catch up in person and grab yep. drinks and stuff, but yep. great having you on the show. I would love you to give the audience one piece of advice, one takeaway from our discussion. What do you, what do you want them to leave with? Yeah, I think um, that's a good question, right? In the context of security or general? Yeah. In security life. I mean, you can talk about unicorns for all I care. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, I think what, uh, I would say is not to uh, not to take it uh, take yourself too seriously, right? That's one advice I would give, right? I think nobody is invincible in this world. Uh, I know sometimes we get too passionate about stuff and uh, too too into stuff, which is good, right? That's why we are in this profession or whatever we are doing. But uh, remember that you know, end of the day, don't take yourself too seriously, right? Have a little fun. That's what that's what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for being on the show. Appreciate it. And uh, everyone, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Yes. Thanks for having me, Dan. It was Thank a pleasure. Of course. Pleasure, man. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Banyan Security and find future episodes of the podcast, please visit us at banyansecurity.io. Special thanks to Urban Punks for providing the music for this episode. You can find their tracks Summer Silk and all their music at urbanpunks.com.